Yasha Munk on the phone. This is the uh, contributing editor of Atlantic Magazine, a professor at Johns Hopkins University and the author of The Great Experiment, Why Diverse Democracies Fall Apart and How They Can Endure. Would you, Yasha, would you say you're optimistic right now in 2022? Uh, you know, unbelievable as it sounds, I am optimistic, but it's a hard one optimism. I think what we're trying to do in the United States is really, really hard. Many societies have failed at it. Um, but actually, an, an appreciation of what makes it hard uh, is, is what allows me to be a little bit more optimistic than most. It seems like we've gone through, and, and maybe your perspective will be good on this because of the knowledge that you have, but we went through are going through COVID, the pandemic, for a period of years. And obviously that's hit people, some people harder than others. And then we had the Black Lives Matter outpouring of uh, protest in 2020, right, right in the middle of that. We had four years of Donald Trump. We've got Putin doing what he's doing in the Ukraine. How can you be optimistic? So look, I, I, I was uh, pessimistic before it was fashionable. I made my career in part by arguing that authoritarian populists like Donald Trump are a, a real danger to our democracies. Um, you know, when I was a graduate student and started talking about this, people looked at me like I was some kind of Cassandra and I was a little weird. Um, so, 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 you know, I can pessimist with the best of them. But, um, uh, but I, I, I'm optimistic about a specific thing, which is that we never before in the history of humanity have built deeply ethnically and religiously diverse democracies that actually treat all of the members as true equals. And I think if you're naive about that and you think that should be an easy thing to do, you know, how hard is it not to hate your neighbor? How hard is it to get along? When you can look at all of the problems we have today uh, and despair and say, there must be something deeply wrong with us. Everything is going in the wrong direction. How on earth could you be optimistic? But in my book, I lay out why it's really hard to do that, why people tend to be groupish, why they tend to form groups very easily and discriminate in favor of the members of those groups and against outsiders, why so many diverse societies in the history of the world have broken apart in the most uh, violent and extreme ways in wars and civil wars and genocides. Um, and when you appreciate the difficulty of what we're trying to do, I think you can look at present reality in the United States and say there's many dangers. It could go wrong in all kinds of ways. But the society we have is actually more just than it was 100 or 50 years ago by a very, very long stretch. Uh, we've made some real progress. Um, we are somehow keeping the peace by and large. Uh, and so uh, we can be proud of our accomplishments and we can push towards a vision of a future in which most citizens would actually want to live. Now, we're talking about the United We're talking with Yasha Monk, the uh, author of The Great Experiment about diverse democracies and the challenges they face. Yasha, what about other countries? Uh, do we have an example out there uh, that you could cite that uh, where, where democracy is is either challenged or has been working or something we should be looking at? What, what's your thought there? Well, my first thought when I was writing the book was, let me find the country where everything's working great. Let me find the country where we've really managed to build a diverse democracy that's thriving. And then perhaps I can go there, spend some time there, that sounds fun, and report on it and say, hey, we should just go and copy that. We should emulate that. But it turns out that there isn't really such a country. 
um, that, uh, you know, there's a whole bunch of countries that are doing reasonably well, um, but there isn't a silver bullet and there's not a country that does all that much better than the United States. And so what I did instead was to look at some of the ways in which diverse societies have historically failed because we can learn how to avoid the same traps today. Uh, so there's societies that um, were so defined by the rivalry between different groups that they never really managed to build an effective state and they tend to be very poor with very bad outcomes for their people, places like Afghanistan and Somalia. There's deeply uh, fragmented countries in which uh, different groups somehow keep the peace by devolving all of the power to the level of the group and never really developing a, a truly shared identity. But that leads to a kind of cold civil war when it doesn't lead to a hot civil war. Uh, that's the example of Lebanon. And then, right. of course, there's the example of, of our own country in the past, of what I call domination. The example of countries which uh, oppress and subjugate uh, some groups in, in, in an extreme way and uh, couldn't go deal with the problem of diversity uh, in that way. And that's what we've historically done with, with slavery and other forms of uh, exclusion and oppression. Uh, and so what we need to do today is to build a, a thriving diverse democracy, which manages to avoid those pitfalls. Yasha, we're talking with Yasha Monk, uh, author of The Great Experiment. Do you, what do you think, and obviously we don't know this yet, because of the, the outcome is uncertain, but the, the war between Russia and Ukraine, the attack on Ukraine by Russia, that, is that strengthened democracy in the sense that NATO is united? Or, or wh what's your thought there? Well, we've seen for the last couple of decades uh, democracies being weakened around the world, um, in part because of the rise of authoritarian populists within them, in part because some fragile democracies um, uh, are backsliding. Uh, but we've also seen something else that we've focused on less, uh, which is not the weakness of democracy, but the strength of autocracy, uh, the resurgence of self-confident dictators in countries like China and, of course, Russia. Uh, and so Putin looked at the West and thought, you all are, are weak and divided. Uh, perhaps he thought that we were, quote, unquote, degenerate, in part because of our diversity, in part because of our freedoms. And so you're not going to be able to defend yourselves. Uh, so he tried to recreate the third coming of the Russian Empire. Um, but Ukrainians have been able to defend themselves much better than anybody, frankly, uh, imagined. And that's due to uh, the great uh, courage and the patriotism of Ukrainians. It's also due to uh, the greater solidarity of the West uh, relative to what was expected. So it's too early to know the outcome of a war. I'm not a military strategist, and I think anybody who speculates uh, is likely to be proven wrong. Uh, but certainly the, the strength and uh, uh, the amazing courage of the Ukrainian defense uh, shows us that uh, we are willing to stand up for our values and we are willing to defend uh, democracy when autocrats like Putin uh, try to impose their will on us. And that has been inspiring. Yasha, in your book, you uh, you outline uh, what what everyday people can do to strengthen democracy. Could could you refer you know some of the ideas there? Yeah. So um, uh, you know, a lot of books that talk about these kinds of subjects 
um, have nine chapters in which we outline some deep problems. And then the 10th chapter, the author says, I have a fix, you know, here's my ideas for how to solve everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and often those kinds of fixes are very unconvincing because either they require all of this political action, you know, let's rewrite the constitution or something like that. And you listen mm-hmm. to that and say, well, perhaps that might help, but I know it's never going to happen. Right. Or they say, here's these two little fixes. And you say, well, perhaps we'll manage to get one and a half of them passed, but surely this is not up to the scale of a problem. So the reason why I'm relatively optimistic about the trajectory of diverse democracies like the United States is that I look at the changes in reality and see that things are going in the right direction. I see, for example, that immigrants today from Mexico and El Salvador and Vietnam and Kenya and other countries are actually integrating, acquiring the language, but also making socioeconomic progress at about the same rate as immigrants from Italy, for example, did uh, 100 years ago. I'm seeing that uh, you know, 30 years ago, a majority of Americans thought that interracial marriage was immoral, but it was immoral for a white and a black American, for example, to intermarry. Uh, today, uh, that figure is down to the single digits, mm-hmm. and we've seen a great transformation in actual behavior. Um, it used to be the case that one in 33 newborns in the United States is mixed race. Now it's one in seven or one in six. We're seeing, despite the lingering effects of a past domination, that they have suffered, uh, the real growth of, of, of an African-American middle class. We're seeing that um, the median uh, black person in the United States today lives in a reasonably affluent suburb, has a white collar job, gets the health insurance from their uh, employer, um, and is actually very optimistic about the future of America, is more optimistic about the American dream than the average uh, white American. And so, uh, you know, what we need to do is to double down on all of these social processes which are taking us in the right direction and to reject uh, the the politicians uh, who want to mess it up, to to reject the politicians who want to mobilize uh, intergroup hatred in order to win votes uh, at the price of that progress. That's an interesting point uh, because I think most of us now are aware of of the divide between the, the political parties in this country. And it does seem to be bitter uh, in some of the discourse. It isn't uh, like people keep flashing back to well, 30, 40 years ago. Uh, you know, you had Republicans and Democrats, but they they could compromise. It doesn't seem like we can compromise anymore. Is that is that going to take citizen action to to push that a little bit? Yeah, we need to reject the politicians who are unwilling to compromise. And we need to reject the politicians, by the way, who push a narrative which pits whites versus people of color. This is a narrative, you know, Democrats and Republicans, conservatives and liberals in this country don't seem to agree on anything anymore, except one idea that happens to be really dangerous and really wrong, which is the idea that there's a kind of rising or inevitable demographic majority for Democrats, but because uh, white voters tend to favor the Republican party and non-white voters tend to favor the Democratic party, as the share of a white population declines, Democrats are going to have this natural advantage. Now, this is what drives a lot of the demographic panic on the far right, but it also is what drives a lot of the kind of triumphalism on parts of the left and parts of the Democratic Party. And it's actually wrong. If you had tried to predict uh, who Irish American voters are voting for today by looking at who they voted for in 1965, you would have gone really badly wrong. When you look at the 2020 election, the only reason why Donald Trump 
was competitive is that he significantly increased the share of the vote among African-Americans, among Asian-Americans, and especially among Hispanics relative to 2016. And the only reason why Joe Biden is the legitimately elected 46th president of the United States is that he significantly increased his share of a white vote relative to Hillary Clinton. And so uh, this whole idea that uh, America is going to become majority minority, that you can split the country into these two mutually hostile blocks, and that is the way to understand what's going on, is uh, thankfully empirically false. And it's really dystopian, because I don't want to live in a country in which I can walk down the street and know who you're voting for by looking at the color of your skin. So I think this is one of the really dangerous narratives uh, that we have to uh, push against. And I hope that our politicians are going to keep doing what they need to racially integrate the electorate further. I hope Republicans are going to try and build uh, a, a truly cross-ethnic working class coalition. And I hope the Democrats won't give up on uh, many of the uh, predominantly white states that Barack Obama won in 2008. One more thing, uh, Yasha, and that's, and I know the media has got to, uh, you know, be informative and, and sort of allow people to understand what's going on. But what about the play or the, the you know, the role the media plays now with the internet being uh, as, as all-inclusive as it is in sort of emphasizing or overemphasizing, I don't know what the right word there is, the red and the blue, this divide. It's, I mean, after all, we, we, we hear it all the time. It's maps are put up on the screen. And is that, what, what do you make of that? How, how much of an effect is that on the, pub, on the public? Well, I think it has a deep effect. And, and I think even in, in, in this moment, which is deeply politically polarized, there is a, a real desire to overcome it. Um, uh, look, you're, you're in Illinois, right? right. Um, uh, you know, I, I remember a junior senator from Illinois who shot to national fame uh, by complaining about the way in which political analysts slice and dice the electorate and divide it into blue states and red states. There was Barack Obama and a lot of the reason why people uh, uh, were so excited about his candidacy uh, was, was, was his rejection. Mm -hmm. of that way of thinking. I mean, one way that, that I conceptualize what's going on in America today is that there's a kind of cultural civil war of the elites. Um, it's a really torn country uh, at the elite level uh, when you listen to MSNBC and Fox News and CNN, for example. Uh, but actually in the heart of a country, uh, there are some real divisions, there are some real conflicts, there are some real injustices, but a lot of Americans are pretty reasonable. They agree on a lot of things. Um, uh, and the question is whether uh, we're going to export this elite level conflict into the heart of society or whether uh, uh, most of us are going to be able uh, to stand up against that imposition. Um, and that's a foregone not a foregone conclusion. It depends on, on how we act. It depends on our decisions. Um, uh, but, but, but I think, hopefully, uh, that, that, that we can make sure that the whole country doesn't become like a giant version uh, of those uh, cable news channels. Yasha Monk, we've uh, been talking with Yasha uh, about the book, The Great Experiment, Why Diverse Democracies Fall Apart and How They Can Endure. Yasha, we thank you so much for your time. You. I'm glad we hooked up here and uh, good luck to you. And uh, we'll, we'll, be look, we'll be listening for your next uh, report here. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Steve. Take care. Bye-bye. Really enjoyed that. Thank you. All right. You too. Thanks.